I tell you, not only is it awesome to see these kids lead us in worship, but it's awesome to see the number of volunteers that we have. I, I, I was, after the bazillion degree weather that we had this week, we actually used to do this in uh, July, but we moved it intentionally to June for cooler weather, and uh, that, that theory flopped this, this week, okay? But these volunteers, I was admiring them on um, Thursday night as we had our family night, and this was my first experience out at camp this year, and as they're... They're there jumping around. These volunteers are amazing. And I know they're leaving, but clap loud enough so they can hear it in the next room because they're amazing. I was telling somebody earlier, I was watching the adults, uh, uh, parents like me who came out for the first time, and we were wilting in the heat. And all of the volunteers were still just jumping up. I don't know what they were drinking out there, but it was working. It was certainly working. And it was a great week for them. Our, our, I think a truly Grace Point Church has the absolute best volunteers in the world. And I don't say that for flattery reasons. I say it because it's true. I mean, when you give a week like that, take weeks of vacation, it's absolutely awesome. Take your Bibles. We find in the book of Luke, chapter 18. This is a great Sunday to come to think about children and to think about where we're at in a, in a series of messages as we wrap up a series of messages in the movies. The movies is one of those things that all of our kids love to go to in the summer or any time of the year a new movie comes out. Uh, they'll wait long hours. They'll be anticipating. They'll be planning to go to the movies. And the movies are, are, are great sources of entertainment, but sometimes they're, they're great sources of thought. And there's a couple of things that we've, if you're first time with us today as we wrap this up, I have some goals in this series that we do now. This is our second year. I'm sure we'll do it again next year, uh, Lord willing. But as, as, as I have some goals about this. This is not just to kind of tie in some entertainment into the midst of a message. But I have some goals, and these, these, are, these are my goals, is that I want us, as we go to the movies, to, as we're musing, to not just be amused, okay? And that we'll not just go for for amusement's sake, that we'll actually go musing. Now that word musing is, and amusing there, means to think. When you go to the museum, you go to think. Alright? When you go to the movies, I don't want you to do amusement anymore, because that means not to think. I want you to start going to the movies and learning to think and process, and to think that, hey, maybe Bollywood or Hollywood, maybe, there, maybe there's a message in here, whether they intended it or not. There may be just a message right in here. And it came to my realization recently, uh, actually during our golf tournament, that God has constantly used the pagan community to communicate his message. If you think about Nebuchadnezzar had all these visions, that was modern day filmmaking, I guess, in his head. As he had these crazy visions, he needed a Christian, a a follower of Yahweh, a follower of God, to be in his life and to speak truth and to help him understand the meaning behind the visions. And so we, kind of in modern day time as followers of Christ, hopefully we can see some meaning behind the messages. The second thing that I want us to do when we go to the movies from now on is to start conversing and not just critiquing. That we'll start a conversation. Conversation around the water cooler, a conversation with our friends, a conversation in our neighborhoods about what we're seeing because what we're seeing is influencing us. It's influencing our culture. 
when listing among children graduating from high school, what were their top three influencers in life as psychologists and sociologists studied them, they found that movies, television, and the Internet were the top three. Not education, not parents. But it was the, mu- it was the movies, and then music is on down the, in the list even further. But as you think about it, it's what we're watching. It's shaping us. It's, we're thinking about it. Instead of just critiquing, let's start conversing about it. Let's start talking about it. Because it's a powerful tool that is out there. That Not, not all of it is right. I'll, I'm, I'm not saying that every movie you go to, there's a message. Some of it's mindless junk. But, and some of it's absolutely heretical, what it, what, it, what it teaches. But I want us to just start that conversation where we can start maybe engaging people in conversation. This is what David Dockery said. He said, the television experience is by far the most defining influence with regard to the development of popular postmodern thinking. It is that prominent thing that is shaping our culture and how we think and the way we believe. There's, there's a great series of books that were that were written, it's certainly not in the mindless category, but a great series of books that were written called The Chronicles of Narnia. If you had an English literature class or an advanced English literature class or you even had a theology class or a philosophy class, you probably studied C.S. Lewis at some point in your time. You read The Chronicles of Narnia. You read The Screwtape Letters. You read Mere Christianity. You read something that he has written. At some point, if you had an AP English or an AP Lit or a, a, a classical literature class, you had that. You've exposed to that. But there's actually more than just the literature side to, to C.S. Lewis. And the Chronicles of Narnia is that, is that series of books that actually is probably the series of books of, of seven that really defined him. They're the ones that became the most popular Children will read them again and again. My kids have read them many times. They're, they're powerful and they're allegorical. So there's, a two, there's two stories going on at the same time as you're reading it. And that's a part of the beauty of the literature. But to just to understand a little bit about C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was not a believer for many years of his life. There, he had a good friend named J.R. Tolkien who, uh, who influenced him in a great way. And J.R. Tolkien, if you know, is the name who wrote the Lord of the Rings. So here are these two Englishmen living side by side, professors at Oxford. And by the age of 30, J.R. Tolkien influences C.S. Lewis to become a follower of Jesus. And it's an amazing story as you unpack that. You can read his autobiography in Surprised by Joy and read about his conversion experience. Everybody knew him not as C.S. Lewis but as Jack. If you knew him, if you knew him well, his friends called him Jack. But at the age of 30, he becomes a believer. And in that process, of, after becoming a believer, he begins to write in an amazing way. Though he was already an author, though he was already an influencer, he was already a professor, it was after that that the Chronicles of Narnia were written. Since that time, we're talking about not just literature, we're also talking about movies. Walt Disney has bought the rights, I guess, in, in making the movies uh, that have already been made. is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, which is the subject of today. But by next year at this time, the, the children will be watching and adults will be watching The Voyage of the Dawn Trader. It's just around the corner. So these movies and these books and this literature, what's it all about? What's the allegory? What's the story behind the story? If you understand the story a little bit, you understand that Narnia is a place in the story that we can't go to. 
But the, uh, I'm going to try to say this correctly. The Pavinsi family are able to go there. Four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and the youngest, Lucy. Prince Caspian is put into a situation where he is about to be killed by his evil uncle. His uncle is, uh, is, is about to kill him, and so Caspian summons by a horn the, 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 the children, the four children, to come back and to help him. Now, a thousand years has lapsed since uh, the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe in, in Narnia, but only a year has lapsed here in, in our world. Again, remember, it's an allegorical story. And I've got to give you this to, to kind of lay the foundations. The humans are known as Talamurns. Uh, uh, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, uh, Talamarines. And, uh, and they were taken, and they have taken control of Narnia. Now, hang with me on this story for just a moment. They wiped out all the mythical creatures. And I wish I had time to develop all of the, again, the allegory of the story, but just I, I can't but for the sake of time. And the thing is about wiping out all the mythical creatures, one other person that fades from the scene for these thousand years is Aslan. Aslan is the, is the representation of God in the story. Aslan is, is the God figure, and he represents God in the story, but Aslan's nowhere to be found. They can't find him. He's, people aren't believing in him anymore. Aslan is the true hero of the story. Aslan is the hero of the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Aslan is the hero of Prince Caspian. But you don't even see Aslan till the very end of the movie. And it took me three times watching this movie before I realized that the, true, or the hero second to Aslan of this movie was a little girl about 10 years old named Lucy. She was the true hero. She was the hero, and it wasn't uh, Prince Caspian. It wasn't King Peter. It wasn't even Sarah and her tremendous marksmanship to able to shoot an arrow with, with, <laughs> with tremendous ease. It wasn't even Edmund's ability to, to do reconnaissance and to help guide them into a, a, a potential takeover. Of, uh, of, of the kingdom. But it was Lucy, a 10-year-old Lucy. And when preparing for this message, I thought, it's, it's perfect. We're finishing day camp. And I realized in preparing for this that, the, that I think one of the messages behind this movie is that children get it. Children get it. You, they get worship, Okay. You tell them that the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know what they're going to be up here doing? They're going to be clapping and shouting. They get it. Kids get it. Our children this week got it. Some of them had some things shaped in their mind and in their spirit that they wouldn't have got any other place. But they got it. And maybe some of them made big decisions to follow Christ. Maybe some of them just take a, made another couple of steps closer. But they get it. And I think the message in this movie is that children are able to get it. Take your Bibles if you've got the book of Luke chapter 18. I think this is what Jesus was saying. When in verse 15 it says, And they were bringing even the babies to Him. Luke 18 verse 15 so that He would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, He began rebuking them. But Jesus called to them, saying, Permit the children to come to Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What a bold statement. 
Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Jesus understood that children get it. Now we may say, oh, but their minds, they don't understand it. Oh, but their minds are so frail. But what Jesus is saying, listen, don't push the children away. Bring the children. He wasn't even neutral about it. He wasn't saying, hey, just don't push them away, but I don't have time for them. Have them make appointment. He, he wasn't even neutral about it. He said, bring the children to me. Let me hold them. Let me bless them. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And then he looked at his disciples. And he says, unless you receive me as a child, you'll not, you'll not even see the kingdom of heaven. So he elevates the value of our children in an amazing way. I want us to understand from Lucy, the gospel according to Lucy, if you want to call it that, But I want us to understand how Lucy got it. Okay, real quickly. Number one, the very first way I see that Lucy got it is Lucy's faith could see the invisible. Lucy's faith could see the invisible. The Bible makes it clear that without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay, but Lucy in this movie, she could see what nobody else could see. It was as if scales were on everybody else's eyes. But Lucy could still see it. She understood. She saw Aslan when nobody else saw Aslan. Children have an amazing amount of depth perception. Children can see things. And if you understand depth perception, if you cover up one eye, you begin to lose your sense of depth. You'll run into walls and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm afraid as we grow older or things happen in our life that we lose our depth perception. But children have it. And in this story, as it's unfolded here, Jesus says the children need to come to me. I want them to come to me. In this story on the silver screen, Lucy gets it because she has a depth perception about her that these older ones don't have. And I think there's a couple of hindrances real carefully that we need to be aware of that can hinder us from from seeing what is out there on a spiritual level. Age is one of those things that causes us to have obstructions of vision. Obstructions of seeing what, what we can't see or seeing the invisible. We grow out of it. We grow out of our need for God. We become self-reliant, independent of our own strength, what have you. And faith begins to diminish in us. But in Lucy, it does not. In children, it doesn't. Here's a statistic for you. Studies have, have been conducted for many years on this, and this is just another study on this. That the probability of someone accepting Christ is 32% between the ages of 5 to 12. Between, uh, and 4% between the ages of 13 and 18. And 6% 19 and older. You talk about depth perception in children, they get it. They see the invisible. They see what we as adults can somehow grow old and our eyesight becomes weak. Even the realization that faith can become diminishing is something that the, the apostles 
prayed and asked God for in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, whenever they said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. The faith is that ability to see. And Trumpkin in this movie is the old man. And he doesn't see. He even makes fun of Lucy. So age, be careful. You cannot be too young for Christ. But you may outgrow Christ. Doesn't mean you can't. But you will have to, with great intentionality, come back and say, I want depth perception. God, I want you to increase my faith. The second obstruction of our vision is this, is that of apathy. And this is basically when we are outgrowing our desire for God. No longer is that that desire to to be with God. Again, if you think back uh, to the movies, and Susan, the, the, the sister, she's a bit disturbed because they decide not to cross there at, the, at that great big gorge. They decide not to cross there because that didn't look safe. They weren't going to cross where they couldn't see. As Aslan was calling them across, Lucy could hear him calling them across, but Susan and everybody else, they couldn't see it. So they weren't going to go. So they chose a different path. And do you know where their different path led them? Straight in the presence of the enemy. How many times does our path lead us straight into the presence of the enemy? Sarah becomes perplexed about this and laying down that night by the campfire, she leans over to Lucy, again, her younger sister, and said, why didn't I see Aslan? Number two, the second thing about Lucy's faith is Lucy's faith could do the impossible. Lucy's faith could do the impossible. There's one thing about faith is it will not only enable you to see the invisible, do the impossible. Because the one thing about faith is that faith and courage are heads and tails of the same coin. They're literally heads and tails of the same coin so that whenever God calls me to do something and I'm willing to go with God and go where He wants me to go, even if I can't see the pathway across the gorge, as Lucy couldn't see the pathway, She just knew that Aslan was calling her across. And so she steps out. The bottom falls out. You think she's gone, but no, there's a pathway that leads down and across the river and across to the other side. Again, how many times in our life have we developed our own pathways? Our own paths, our own plans, our own desires. I don't know what it is, but here's a verse for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. A beautiful passage of Scripture. And we all like that last part where it says, it will make your paths straight. But the thing is, you've got to do the first part before you can get to the last part. Are you trusting in Him? With all your heart. Are you leaning on your own rationale, your own diagnosis, your own plans, your own schemes. Don't lean on your understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. Then He will make your path straight. Is there any area of your life that is held back? If it is, you might find yourself at the threshold of the enemy. You might find yourself at His feet. Jim Cimbala said this in his book, Faith is happy to step out, not knowing where it is going, so long as it knows 
who is going along. In your life, are you one of those who has to know everything before you make a move? I, I have to say that it was, it was eight years ago, the last Sunday of June, so you might consider it now, that a handful of people met for a prayer meeting in a living room in Rogers and prayed about starting a church called Grace Point. We didn't know a lot. We didn't have a lot of experience in this. But we just knew that there was something that God was up to. And eight years later, you're setting in a part of that vision. Now, has it all been easy? Absolutely not. And did we know we would be here? And did we know you would be here? Absolutely not. It's amazing, though, to think that had I had to know that I would be at 1201 McCollum and we would have a beautiful building with a beautiful ministry surrounding us right now, ministering to the children, I, if I didn't know all that, I wasn't going to go forward. No. Sometimes all I have is that element of trust. You can see the invisible when you have faith like Lucy. And you can do the impossible when you have faith like Lucy. The last uh, element of Lucy's faith that I think is worth noting is that Lucy's faith could hear the inaudible. Could see the invisible. Could do the impossible. Childlike faith, the faith of Lucy, can also hear the inaudible. Excuse me, can also hear the inaudible. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, it's interesting as you watch this movie, and again, there's more to this movie. I probably quote more from this movie today than any other of the movies that we've talked about because it is so intentional in its allegory in our life. I'm afraid sometimes we don't hear God because our ears are not in tune to God. We hear all the other voices. We come up with all our own schemes. We do all our own things. And again, if you could see the movie, you'll see that they tried scheme after scheme to defeat the enemy. But they don't win. They don't win until Aslan comes on the scene. And it was because of a 10-year-old Lucy who got it, got it early, and didn't let go of it. And if you notice that phrase, he compared her faith to that of a lioness. What strength, what valor, what power, what courage she had. Why would Jesus focus on children when the disciples say, you don't have time, your calendar is full, you don't have time for children? Why? Because children get it. Children get it. Why would we build a building and Two-thirds of our square footage virtually be devoted to children because they get it. They get it. They get it when we don't get it. This came this week. I want to close with this email. It came from a a parent of one of our younger teenagers, probably 12, 13 years old. I've changed the names to protect the... Uh, the families involved, and they, they requested that, but it's a beautiful story. I'll just read the email to you. Wendy had her best friend spend the night last night. 
Melissa has attended Surge with her several times and on Sunday services once, I think. Her family has a church in their background, but they don't attend anywhere right now. We've invited them several times, but it has never worked out. Anyway, I learned that this morning that the girls stayed up all night. Apparently the cable went out a while, uh, so at 2 a.m. they put in the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. When it was over, Wendy asked Melissa if she ever considered changing her religion in order to get married. If You might remember that movie if you've seen it. Um, to get married as the guy in the movie must have. They both agreed that they would not, but the conversation... Remember I said conversation earlier? Continued. Wendy asked her if she ever actually asked Jesus into her life. And Melissa said, I don't think so. She said she didn't really understand. She said she's been baptized as a baby but wished that she hadn't since that she didn't know what she was doing. So Wendy explained what it was to follow Jesus to her. And they prayed together, and Melissa asked Christ into her life in the middle of the night. I guess I can't get on to her for staying up. I'm telling you, whether it's the big fat Greek wedding, or it's Narnia, our kids get it. Our kids can see the invisible, they can hear the inaudible, and many times they will do the impossible. But it will sometimes, and this is the sad part, and I just, I just got to end here. Sometimes the greatest spiritual leaders of our lives and our homes are not moms and dads, but they're children. They get it. Do you get it? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I hope that in your heart and in your life, you have given your life to Jesus. Because if there's one thing I want you to see today and experience today, it's, it's not just the kids singing and their enthusiasm therein. But I hope that you see that they get faith and that they get what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They get it. And I tell you, it's going to be pretty simple today in the fact that Jared's going to lead us in singing and I'm going to be just sitting here at the front and we're going to stand and sing that last song that we sang a little bit earlier, For God So Loved the World. One of those first verses that we all memorize as children. And if you're here today, I'm not going to tell you to come as a prideful man, as a well-educated woman. I'm going to say if you really, 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 really want to know God, come as a child. Come with your heart open and say, I want to follow Jesus. That's all you got to tell me. We'll pray together.